Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. They were coming down the mountain. Jesus and three of his disciples were coming down the mountain. Peter and James and John had just had a spiritual encounter like no other. On the mountain, Jesus was transfigured, transformed before their very eyes. They caught a glimpse of his true nature. They received a revelation of his divine glory. They were bathed in the dazzling light of his deity. They saw two of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah, standing with Jesus, talking with Jesus. They heard the voice of the Father speaking to them out of the cloud, and they wanted to stay. They wanted to build tents and stay up on the mountain. But you can't maintain a spiritual high your whole life following Jesus. Christianity is not a continuous mountaintop experience. You have to come down. You have to descend to the valley. You've got to enter into and live regular, ordinary life, which is most of life. Work, school, meals, rest, chores, relationships, a life that contains suffering, sorrow, struggle, life that can be chaotic, messy. You have to come down because Jesus does. When Jesus and his disciples came down the mountain, chaos awaited them. That's what happened in our Old Testament reading from Exodus. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses is up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and on the mountain, the Lord spoke to Moses, gave Moses the law, the Ten Commandments. And as Moses came down the mountain, carrying the stone tablets with the law written on them, chaos awaited him. He heard a loud noise from the camp, and and at first he wasn't so sure what it was. Then he realized it was singing. There was a party going on, a celebration going on. There was dancing and music. And in the short time that Moses was gone, God's people had fashioned an idol, a golden calf. And they were worshiping this calf and celebrating this calf. And Moses was so angry at the chaos, so angry at the unfaithfulness of God's people that he threw down the tablet, shattering them. He burned the golden calf, ground up the ashes, and made the people drink it. As Jesus and his disciples came down the mountain, chaos awaited them. There was a great crowd, and in the midst of the crowd, surrounded by the crowd, were the remaining nine disciples of Jesus and a group of scribes. Scribes, you remember, were experts in the law, the Torah, the law of God. These scribes were in a heated argument with the disciples. The surrounding crowd was watching, listening to the argument. And when the crowd saw Jesus... Mark tells us they were amazed, overwhelmed with astonishment. Now, usually such a reaction to Jesus occurs after a miracle or after 
a teaching, but here it is as soon as they see him. Perhaps they're amazed at his sudden appearance. It, 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 it raised their hopes in the midst of conflict and failure. Maybe something extraordinary would now happen. Well, regardless, the amazed crowd rushed to Jesus, greeted Jesus, but he doesn't speak to them. He doesn't acknowledge them. He addresses his disciples. He asks them a question. What are you arguing about with them? What is this heated conflict? But before they have a chance to answer, someone from the crowd speaks up. A man speaks up. A father speaks up. One who is in dire need. This man has a son. Since his childhood, the son has had an unclean spirit, a demon dwelling within him. This unclean spirit prevents his son from speaking. This unclean spirit throws him to the ground, causes seizure-like episodes with convulsions and foaming of the mouth and grinding of the teeth and loss of consciousness. It casts him into fire and water. In his need, the father sought out Jesus, brought him his son so that he might heal him. But Jesus was up on the mountain. And he tells Jesus this, so I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. The nine disciples that Jesus did not take up on the mountain with him could not cast out the unclean spirit. They tried and they failed. But it was not as if this was their first attempt at an exorcism. They had cast out demons before. Back in chapter 6, Jesus had sent his disciples out two by two to preach, to heal, and he had given them authority over unclean spirits. And maybe that's what they were arguing with the scribes about. Hey, we, we do know what we're doing. We have done this before. But not this time. They failed. Without Jesus, they failed. Now, don't overlook this. As, as a follower of Jesus, don't overlook this. As a church, don't overlook this. Ministry without Jesus leads to failure. Attempting ministry without the presence of Jesus leads to to failure, whether that's in your own life or whether that's in the life of the church. Whatever we regularly do or whatever we set out to do as a community of faith, whether it's worship, whether it's Operation Christmas Child or Sunday school or youth events, Jesus must be present or it will fail. People come to covenant seeking Jesus, looking for Jesus, needing Jesus, whether they realize it or not, acknowledge it or not, they come hungry for good news. And we have good news to proclaim, truth to proclaim. Here is the truth. You are sick. And not a, not a cold, not the flu, but with a disease that the scriptures diagnose as sin. You are infected with sin. Now, sin is, is not, is not a, a, a simply an, an, an act of disobedience to God, but it's also a power, a power without, a power within. And this sickness that you have, that everyone has, is a sickness unto death. 
Death is the result of sin. But the good news is that Jesus has come, descended from heaven, entered this chaotic, messy world with us. He suffered and died for us. The cruel death of a criminal on the cross. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Jesus is alive. And through his death and resurrection, he has conquered sin. Through his death and resurrection, he has overcome death. He heals you, cures your sickness, makes you whole through faith in him. Jesus must be present. Jesus must be the focus. Jesus must be the center. Otherwise, all of our efforts will fail and we'll end up arguing about it just like the disciples. Well, in response to the Father, Jesus speaks these words in verse 19. Oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Now notice Jesus does not chastise his disciples for their failure. No, here he's speaking against the crowd. Every time the word generation is mentioned in Mark's gospel, which is five times, it never includes the disciples. Jesus is exasperated toward the crowd. Why is he exasperated toward the crowd? Their lack of faith. For Jesus, there's a larger problem than the inability to cast out an unclean spirit. It's lack of faith. It's hardness of heart. The crowd was excited to see him, amazed by him, astonished at him. But do they believe? Do they follow? Or are they just there to watch, just there to observe, just there to see what happens? When Jesus asks how long It's not only out of frustration, but it's also out of urgency. His time is winding down. His path, his road, his way leading to the cross is getting shorter by the day. Then Jesus acts. They bring the boy to him. And as soon as he is before Jesus, as soon as the demon sees Jesus, it attacks, causes the sun to collapse, to convulse, to foam. Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? Now this question from Jesus to the father allows the father to express his heart, his history, his pain, his concern, his hope. After describing the effects of the spirit on his son since childhood, the father adds, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He asked for help. Help rooted in the compassion of Jesus. His hope is in the compassion of Jesus. And Jesus replies to this father, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Here, Jesus calls this man, this father, to faith, to faith. Jesus can help. Jesus can heal. Jesus can cast out the unclean spirit. The question is whether or not the father believes that he can. The question is whether or not the father has faith in Jesus, has faith that he is able, able to do what his disciples could not, that Jesus can do the impossible. Now, note 
Note this, Jesus is not saying that faith can do the impossible. As in, if you only believe, then it will happen. If you only believe, then the impossible will happen. That's, that's faith in faith, which is re- really nothing. It's really empty. I mean, how, how many times have you believed that this is the year we will beat Alabama? Now, that example was not so serious. But what if this idea is applied to an illness or an affliction? If you only believe, then your cancer will go away. If you only believe, then you'll walk without pain again. If you only believe, then your loved one won't struggle with addiction anymore. Well, what happens then when the cancer doesn't go away? Or what happens when when you still can't walk without severe pain? Or what happens when your loved one still struggles with addiction? Well, it must mean that you really didn't believe, that you really didn't have faith. It's your fault. Such a train of thought can lead to despair. It could lead to distress. It can lead to anguish. And it's all false. All false. That's not the point of Jesus' words. It's not that if you have faith, then then the impossible can happen. It's rather, if you have faith in Jesus, then the impossible can happen. He can make the impossible possible. He is able. He can. Do you believe it? Now, that doesn't mean he always will. Just because he is able does not mean he will do it. Sometimes God wills and sometimes he wills not. But here's the difference with faith. Faith, faith, in, faith in Jesus. Faith trusts that whether he wills or wills not, either way, it's out of compassion. It's out of love for his child. For you. Well, at these words, the father cries out, I believe, help my own belief. He believes in Jesus, that he is able, that he can save and heal. But he recognizes that his faith is small. He recognizes that his faith is weak, that it's inadequate. So he asks for help. True faith is like this. Focused on Jesus, the one who is able. True faith is aware of its deficiencies. Do you feel weak in your faith? Some days do you feel like it's fleeting or barely alive, barely has a pulse? Ask. Like this man, ask. The one who died and rose from the dead, the one who forgives your sins and grants you eternal life, the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth, he is able. He can increase your faith, strengthen it, bless it, nurture it, grow it. He's able. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, commanded the demonic spirit to come out of the boy, to come out and never enter again. And after crying out and after violently shaking the boy, the demon left. And the boy was like a corpse. So much so that those watching it thought he was dead. But Jesus took him by the hand. Jesus lifted him up and he arose. 
healed, restored, given life. New life. Making the impossible possible. He is able. He can. And at that moment, the father's faith grew by leaps and bounds. Now, later when Jesus and his disciples were in a house away from the crowd, they asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? Why did we fail? They want to know. They want to learn. They want to grow. And Jesus answers, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. They needed to pray. And for some reason, they did not pray. Perhaps it was their faith. For prayer is directing faith in specific requests to God. Prayer is focusing faith in specific petitions to God. It's knowing that you are not able, believing that God is able, and asking him to do it. Faith and prayer. Both are gifts from God. Both are focused on God. Both show a life relying on God. Believe. Jesus is able. And pray. Pray in his name. When you face the impossible, pray. When you are hopeless, pray. When your faith is weak, pray. When you don't know which way to go, pray. God is able. And whether he wills or wills not, trust that it's out of compassion for you. Out of love for you his child by faith. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 